Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. So good to see you guys. Oh, hey, what's up? I miss you guys so much. You guys are amazing. Hey, if you don't know me, for the last three months, I have been, uh, like Dustin said, in New West, just hanging out with my wife. Jen and I were a part of Vivid Downtown for just over a year before Pastor Justin kind of had this vision, like, let's, let's do this thing. Let's move. And, and I want you to know that your support, your love, I'm, I'm, I'm creeping on all of you guys on social media constantly, okay? So um, I'm, I'm like your creepy uncle. And uh, uh, sorry, I thought you'd laugh harder at that. I'm bombing right now. Dang it. Uh, but just really quickly, uh, Dust, can you, or Jim, can you just grab me that uh, little bench there? And, and while he's doing that, can you just touch your neighbor and say, I'm so glad that I'm sitting next to you real fast. So good to see you. Praise God. Um, hey, here's what we're going to do today. I- I'm crazy excited to preach um, today. I really do have a word. Um, I, if, if you haven't heard me speak before, you need to know that I'm, I'm not really a teacher. I'm a little bit more of a preacher. So I get really excited when I start talking about the Bible, which means that I say it, I spray it, the front row is going to get anointed with the oil of gladness that is coming out of my mouth. So I'm really, I just apologize in advance for that. But, but really, I'm just so crazy passionate and excited about who Jesus is, what he's done in my life. Um, I remember one time I was setting a church service up at 6 a.m., and there was like that dad that's like a jobber that's always rebuking millennials, saying that we're too lazy and we need to work harder. And I was so full of passion and energy at 6 a.m. I'm like, let's open up the trailer and go. The people need God today. And he was super tired. He's like, Kobe, where do you get your energy from? And I, I just told him, uh, you know, Red Bull and gratitude, okay? So those two things work really well for me. Um, I've only had two coffees, three coffees today. Um, so I'm really excited. I think in the, on the eighth day, God created coffee, and he said that it was good. Does anybody else believe that in the church today? Come on. Come on, Vivid Downs. You got to shout at me. Don't look at me like you're just like staring at me like that. You got to get involved today. We're going to have some fun, okay? But uh, I'm super excited, and, and uh, I'm super grateful to be here. I just woke up this morning saying, God, I can't believe we get to do this together. Can't we, we can't believe, does anybody, is anybody grateful that we get to build God's church? Is anybody grateful you get to sit here today, you get to be involved in what God's doing? Come on, somebody. I want to read a couple scriptures and have a really good word to preach today. Um, we're in a series called Blessed. We've been talking about um, how we're blessed to be a blessing, how God wants to get involved in our life in, in so many ways to bless us. And, and that way, that includes our finances. That includes the way that we serve. Every area of our life, God wants to be involved in. And I want to encourage us around that today. John 2, verse 13 to 17. If we can get it up on the screen, here's what the Bible says. It's nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration, so Jesus went to Jerusalem. In the temple area, he saw merchants selling cattle, sheep, and doves for sacrifices. He also saw dealers at the tables exchanging foreign money. Jesus made a whip from some ropes. When I used to preach that as youth pastor, I'd always go, nay, nay, after that. And it, it's, it never worked. So, so I just did it again. Why? Because I'm a dad, and I use jokes for 30 years, Okay. <laughs> There's a lot more cut where that came from. Um, yeah, yeah. You guys are like, I'm so glad he's in New West. You know, <laughs> this guy's the worst. Yeah, <laughs> whip from some ropes, chase him all out of the temple. <laughs> he drove out the sheep and cattle and scattered the money changers' coins over the floor and turned over their tables. Then going over to the people who so does, he told them, "Get these things out of here. Stop 
turning my father's house into a marketplace. Then his disciples remembered this prophecy from the scripture. This is so cool. I want you to underline this in your Bible. If, if, you, if you're following your Bible right now, passion for God's house will consume me. When we run more scripture, we're going to pray. We need to preaching. Revelation 3.20. It's really fast. Check this out. It says, look, this is Jesus. If you're reading this in a Bible with red words the, and the, the, the words of Jesus are in red, these are in red. This is Jesus speaking to the church. He says, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice, I'm going to come open the door. I'm going to come in. We're going to share a meal together as friends. I want to preach a simple message today. If you're taking notes, you can write this at the top of your page. I want to challenge everybody to take notes. Just get out your phone, take some notes. I'm helping you out because when you get to heaven, Jesus is going to want to see your notes, okay? I'm telling you right now. By the end of this sermon, you're going to be laughing so much harder at my jokes. It's going to be crazy. You're going to be smiling, okay? You can write this at the top of your page. Open the door. Open the door. Let's pray and ask that God would speak to us today. Lord Jesus, God, would you speak to us today? God, God, I can't change anybody's life here, but Jesus, you, you can change our life. You can help us. You can speak to us. You're alive and active. And so, God, we've come here. We've gathered here today in your house to hear a word directly from you. So, God, I pray that you would speak to us. We leave here more in love with you, more excited about you, more passionate about building your church. In the mighty name of Jesus, come on, everybody said a big amen. Put your hands together. And can we thank Joel? That was beautiful. You made me sound way more spiritual than I really am, buddy. Love you so much. Um, you know, I, th- this is often a conversation starter in sermons right now, but it's just part of our life. I was thinking a little bit again this week about social media and, and how crazy it is that it's totally shaping the way that we behave in social interactions. Like, like have you noticed that that? Because of social media, you know, Facebook, Instagram, I don't know about you, but I used to have a MySpace account. Anybody else? Come on, somebody. I could share my best music, download it and steal it on Napster, and then put it on my MySpace account, and it showed all of you how cool I really was. By by the way, back in the day, I was in a straight-edge, hardcore metal band, so it was all just like, ah, ah, that was my MySpace account. (laughs) And then, then, and then I got saved, and I moved here, and I played in, like, a neo-60s pop band, and we covered Take On Me by AHA. It was, like, so different, and I was like, wow, God did really change my life, you know? <laughs> but, 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 like, social media kind of started a little bit when I was in high school. I actually, I met my wife on MSN Messenger, okay? Yeah, let's go. Let's go. Well, I met her at church, but we started conversating on MSN. I was like, hey, babe, how are you? You know? And do you want to play Spider Solitaire for a bit? You know? And you could like play games, okay? So some of you just don't know, okay? Some of you don't know. Now you know, okay? But, 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 but it's funny because I think social media has done great things. I'm always going to use it um, unless I'm taking like a fast from it or something like that. But, but, but like, like I think it's made us more connected and less connected at the same time. Does anybody feel me? Like, isn't it weird how we have so much access to people and it's actually helped me remain more connected, especially to friends around the world. Like, like my mom knows more about my life now than she ever has. You know what I'm saying? Come on, moms. Like, you're just following your kids and stuff like that, right? And my mom's always like, oh, like, you know, my mom always ruins all my Facebook posts. You know what I'm talking about? I'm like, having a great day. She's like, love you, honey. You know? I'm like, oh. Mom, I'm way harder than that. Stop it, you know? Delete it, you know? Thanks, Mom. Yeah. 
trying to look cool here. Mom is still doing that 33. You know, my mom's leaving Facebook posts, you know. I, I, we hung out with someone the other day, and I'm like, I haven't seen her in like, uh, like six months, you know, and I, and I see her, and, and you know, I have, three, I have four kids. I almost said three kids. I was at the YMCA the other day. They're like, what are your kids' ages? I'm like, can I call a friend? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know their birthdays. I don't know. <laughs> They're born at a certain time, you know, and uh, but, but, but they grow so fast, right? Like, they're just way bigger than they were six months ago. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, you've got to see my kids. They're huge. And she's like, I know. I'm like, no, you don't. You haven't seen my kids in, like, six months. She's like, no, I follow you on social media, you know? And I'm like, oh, yeah, you have seen my kids. And she's like, is that creepy? I'm like, yes. It's absolutely creepy. Like, my, my wife is, she, she has, you know, she blogs about my son has special needs, and she loves blogging about him and telling stories. And, and so, so we'll oftentimes be in, the, like, the superstore. We're just, like, walking around with kids in our stroller, and someone will come up to us and be like, oh, it's you, you know? And my wife's like, it's me, you know? Like, like, have you ever had that moment where you knew somebody, but they didn't know you because they were following you on social media. It's, it's just, it's a bit of an awkward thing. So it's like we're more connected than we've ever been, but we're also kind of like less connected than we've ever been. Because, because we love like, you know, watching people's lives, but so often, especially in the city of Vancouver, we don't often take time to interact in a real way in people's lives. Sometimes even when we're with people, we're so concerned about our persona and what we're putting on because we know that we're gonna be viewed a certain way and it's just kind of this awkward time to be alive. Like when I was a kid, connection was so much different. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I had this thing called a great childhood and we would play, oh, it was so great. We'd play in this really cool place. I don't know if you've heard about it. It's called Outside. And I'd like, like get home from school and be like, bye, mom. And we'd go outside. And sometimes I wouldn't even have shoes on. Like, ah, just playing. You know, like I played street hockey in the cul-de-sac. Come on. Can I get a witness in the church? Let's go. You know, Mike Marcel and scoring goals on me. Gra, 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 getting hurt. Ow, mom. My mom's like, go back outside, you know. Now it's like, call the hospital, you know? Like, I had a great childhood. And, and I remember back in the day, if I wanted to be social with people, there was a phone connected to a wall. I had to know their number. I still remember Mike Marcellin's phone number, 604-589-8919. That's in my soul, man. I needed to know that stuff. Or else, or else he was just gone. I'd never see him again. <laughs> I need to remember, I'm like five years old. I know phone numbers. I know my mom's phone number, 970-6486. Let's go. Why? In case of emergencies, you need to know your mom's number, right? And then if he didn't pick up, we had these answering machines with a tape in it, you know? And, and I used to call, and, and Mike, Mike didn't pick up the phone. It's, well, let's be honest. Mike's mom didn't pick up the phone. And so I'd just go outside. I'd run to his house or bike to his house. <sighs> You know, hoping he'd be there. And then I'd like knock on the door like. And then, you know, when kids wait outside of a door, they can't stand still. You know how kids can't stand still? They're just like this. <laughs> my kids are like that. My, actually, the scripture that Sarah shared this morning, my, my, my son did that in his speech meet at school. By the way, my eight-year-old son got first place in the speech meet at his school. Come on, out of 60 kids. That's right. Why? He's a chip off the old block. He's a little preacher. Let's go. Memorize that whole thing. But it's so funny because when he's, when he's saying it, he's all into it. And then he's standing waiting for the other kids. He's all 
You know, it's like we just can't control. So I'm not, you know, knocking the door. I'm like, Mom, you know. And then she, she opens the door. She's like, hey, Kobe, what's up? I'm like, can Michael come out to play? You know, she's like, Michael! Mike! Do you remember this? Like, I'm just having a nostalgic moment right now. This has nothing to do with my message. Just joking, it does, okay? But, 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 it, but we interacted so different. I love this picture of Jesus in Revelation. Because out of all the ways that Jesus wants to interact with us, I mean, I mean he, he kind of did text us right here, you know? Like, it's long, but he did. Like, he sent us a text so that we could connect with him. But, 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 but all that text does is remind us that God, I love that Jesus says, this is, this is how I interact with you. This is how I graciously and lovingly bring myself to you so that you can interact with me. I stand at the door of your heart. I stand and I knock. And he waits. What a beautiful picture. How personal is that? That, that Jesus, the God of heaven and earth, the God that spoke and, and light and planets and grass and giraffes were formed. The, the, the God that saw you before you were ever born. The Bible says he knitted you together in your mother's womb. The Bible says that he made you with passion in his heart. The Bible says that he made you with purpose in mind. The God of the universe, Jesus himself, stands at the door and he knocks and he waits. And he waits for us to simply open the door. What a beautiful picture. And I'm the guy in Sunday school, okay, that when, when teachers would, like, teach me stuff as a kid, I, I, I always wanted to ask more questions. And, and when I read this text for the first time, immediately a question came to my mind that I needed to have answered. I said, I said this, how do I open the door? Is that funny? It's like God stands at the door and knocks. It's like, awesome. How do I open the door? Because last time I checked my heart, doesn't have a door. Anybody else with me on that? It's like, what do I do? It's like, I just go, yes, and then the door opens. You know, like, like how, do, how do I connect with Jesus if my heart doesn't have a door? So, so obviously speaking spiritually, so he's standing at, at the spiritual seat of my heart, and he's knocking, and Lord, I want to respond to you. I want to open the door. Man, the Bible is so clear. Watch this. This is so good. The Bible says this in Romans 10, verse 9. Throw that up on the screen. It says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Church, I want to remind you today that the way that we open our heart up to Jesus is simply by believing in him, by saying yes to him, by saying, God, I know that you're the God of the universe. Will you come and will you rescue me? And anyone who believes in him is going to be saved. Come on, church, can you put your hands together and be thankful for a second? That's not hard to open that door. It's easy to open the door to God. Man, I'm telling you, if we will simply put our faith in him, he's going to come in. He's going to dwell with us. I love what scripture says, have a meal like we're buds. He's going to come and hang out in your very soul. And the Bible says that all who believe in him, all who have surrendered their life to Jesus live saved. Listen, if you've put up your hand in church at a moment when we're like, hey, man, if you need Jesus right now, throw up your hand. Let's pray for you. And you meant it in your heart. Jesus lives in your house. 
Jesus lives in your heart. Jesus is alive. He's at work on the inside of you. You never have to doubt that. You never have to be afraid. God is bigger than the mistakes you make. Can I get a big amen? Come on. God is bigger than the challenges that you face. My God is so faithful that he will live and he will dwell inside your heart. Now I have another question because that's great. And for so many of you, you're like, I get it, Pastor Kobe. I learned about this the first time I came to church. It's not that hard to figure out. Why are you telling us this right now? Well, let me tell you why I'm telling you this because I have another question. And that question is, okay, so Jesus lives in my life. Now what? What is he doing there? You know? It's like, what? Is he just like, grateful to be here? You know, like, like what does Jesus begin to do when we said yes to him and he walks through that door and miraculously dwells in our heart? Because if that's all that life was about tonight at baptisms, we would just hold you under until the bubble stops so you could go meet him today. Can I get a big amen, okay? Obviously, God's not done. I love what great preachers say, if you're not dead, God's not done. He's not finished with you yet. I don't care how old you are. The Bible is full of people that God used in their 80s, in their 90s. God's still using them to do great things. Come on, can anybody, anybody give a shout of praise today that God's not finished with you yet? Come on, church. Put your hands together and celebrate the fact that God's not done with your life. God's not done using you. He's not done speaking to you. You're like, I'm not there yet. Of course you're not there yet. You're still breathing. God's still working. Man, I love this scripture we read earlier in John chapter 2. It's a picture. You can throw it up on the screen. Why don't you throw up verses uh, 13 and 14? It's a picture of Jesus, and he's going to his house. And it's a picture of how Jesus sometimes behaves when he goes to his house. Man, I love it. See, see, the context of this scripture, and I'm going to read it again right now, but the context is it's a Jewish Passover celebration. This is one of the largest celebrations that Jews would celebrate. And there's like hundreds of thousands of people there. So it's mosh pits. It's partying. Everyone's dancing. You know what I mean? You know, it's like, it's like it was in Toronto yesterday, by the way. Come on, somebody. Let's go. Let's go. Kawhi Leonard's like, Passover, you know? It's like a big celebration. And, and, and what was happening, I'm going to read this, but to give you some context, people were traveling from all over the country, really all over the known world, to come and worship this great God. And they were coming and, and they were taking such long journeys that they couldn't bring their sacrifices with them because before Jesus, the Lamb of the world, died for our sins, they had to have an atoning sacrifice so that they could connect with God momentarily. And it was a type and picture of who Jesus would be. The Bible says he was once for all time. But these sacrifices were just these momentary moments where they could come close to God because their sins, the wages of their sins were death, so they had to make a sacrifice. So they're buying animals in the temple. And look what the Bible says. It's nearly time for the Jews' Passover celebration. So Jesus went to Jerusalem. In the temple area, he saw merchants selling cattle, sheep, doves for sacrifices. That's what we're talking about. He also saw dealers at tables exchanging foreign money because people were coming for, from all over. And the context of this is not that there was selling going on in the church. It's not like Jesus would come in here and be like, Psalms magazine. Yeah. You know? Like, that's not what it is. It's these people were ripping off people who were far from God as they were coming close to God and taking advantage of them. And, and if you know my God, Jesus, oh, there's nothing he hates more than people who are far from him being distracted and hindered 
from coming close to him. I, I, I mean, if you want to get Jesus passionate, start saying some nonsense to someone who's far from him. And all of a sudden, he's not really on your side anymore. Because he died on a cross for those people. Like Jesus is looking at the cross going, people are being hindered from connecting to me. So I love what Jesus did. It says that he made a whip. Man, Jesus is passionate. He made a whip. He went back and he crafted a whip. You know what I mean? He's like, let's make, he's got his disciples around. You take that corner. I'll take this corner. Let's go. Let's go. You know, he runs. He says he's turning over tables. Everyone's like, what? You know, you're like, isn't that Jesus? Yeah, it's me. You know, like this is, this is in the Bible. And it says, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. Another translation says, my father's house is a place for prayer. It's a place where people come to connect with me. It's not about any of this nonsense. It's not about this stuff. There are people far from me that need to connect with me today, and I will not let you hinder them any longer. Jesus gets passionate. And this is where it gets a little crazy, okay? Throw 1 Corinthians 6, 19 on the screen. Now, do you know that every Old Testament picture is a shadow of a New Testament reality. And you know what the, 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 the temple is in the New Testament? Your body! Look, did you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit whom you've received from God? You are not your own. Listen, if you've welcomed Jesus into your life, if you've opened the door to him, if you've believed in him, you are the temple of God. See, and so, so what Jesus did in the temple is what he's going to do in you. <laughs> so when Jesus comes in, you know what he does? He gets to work. Work, 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 work. You know what I'm talking about? Like, geez, I thought you'd laugh harder at that one, too. That was pretty good. He gets to work. See, my problem is I thought Jesus was nice. I, I thought Jesus was nice. I thought he was like red sash. Long hair, beautiful blue eyes, sipping herbal tea, driving a Mazda Miata. You know what I mean? Like something like that. Like a nice guy. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I thought when, when Jesus was welcome into my life, it was like this. He's like, Kobe, here I am. Knock, knock, knocking at the door of your heart. <laughs> can, can I please come in? You know, and I'm like, oh, hey, I'll, I'll get that, you know. And then I have one of these. You know, oh, J Jesus. Oh, thanks for coming. Of course, I totally believe in you. Come on in. You know, he's like, oh, thank you. So can I step in? It's like, absolutely. He's like, oh, yeah. Okay, I'm in. This, oh, my gosh. It's messy in here. Wow. Okay. Pretty dusty. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah, sorry, Jesus. Didn't have time to clean up. Uh, hey, you know what? I was just kind of busy. Um, I'm watching uh, Game of Thrones right now. You're not going to like it. So can you just, can you just stand over there just for like, oh, I don't know, like half an hour. It's almost over. So, okay, no problem. Yeah, that show's not so good, but okay. Yeah, okay. And then he just stands there. <laughs> like, how you doing, Jesus? I'm just so happy to be here. I just, I'm here, you know? Like that's, that is not the Jesus I see in John 2. 
That's not the Jesus. Like, listen, Jesus is the Lamb of God, but he's also the Lion of Judah. Like, like, like my God, he, he's loving, he's kind, but he's relentlessly passionate for you. He, he, he's, he's, the Bible said he's the God of the angel armies. He, he's the God that no man can stand in his presence. I'm telling you, my God is a strong God. My God is a passionate God. And what he's passionate for is his house. He's passionate for you. Come on, you can clap if you want to, church. I'm preaching so much better than you're responding this morning. Let's go. Like, like the picture we get in scriptures, Jesus is like, let me in. And you're like, ah. Have you ever had that moment in worship where like it hits you and God's like, ah. And you're like, oh, oh my gosh, he's speaking. But you just look like this on the outside. We all see you. <laughs> huh. Or the preacher's preaching and it's hitting you, and you're just trying to look normal, and you're trying to focus on your phone, and you're pulling it out. That's Jesus pounding on the door of your heart, trying to speak to you, trying to get in, pounding, pounding, pounding. And you're like, oh, my gosh, I guess I'll open it. He's like, poof, Sparta kick. Nothing is in the right place. This doesn't even go here. <laughs> just staring you down. Hey, devil, get out of here. This is my house. You know, Jesus, let's go. Full of power, full of passion for you. God's going to work in you. Come on, church. Do you believe a God that can work in your heart, that can change stuff around? Come on, church. I didn't drive all the way out here to get a quiet church today. We're going to praise God. Let's go. Jesus is into rearranging your furniture. Like, like Jesus will, he will come into your house and start knocking on your rooms. It's not done, you know, you got that door on your room that's got a skull and crossbones that says keep out. Jesus is like, I'm going in there. He's like, hey, what's in the attic? You know, it's, oh, Jesus, disgusting up there. I specialize in cleaning up dirty rooms. Let me in that attic. I want to see all the old stuff that you've been into. I want to see the stuff that's deep in your heart. The Bible says God, his word, it like separates the bone from the marrow in your heart. He sees you. He determines what's on. He's a great physician. He, he, he can test your heart and help you and give you medicine that you didn't even know that you needed. If you'll just welcome him in to your heart. Because we serve a passionate God. Can I get a big amen, church? We serve a God that's full of power. Full of passion. He wants to mess your life up. Some of you are like, why, why do I want to call my dad and forgive him? That's Jesus. Why do I have to? Ah, that's Jesus. He's speaking to you. He, he doesn't stop at the front door of your house. He starts knocking on all the doors of your house because he wants in. Because if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. And he's the God that wants to take over your life in every area. So I want to close with like these two, two quick thoughts that I think are going to help you. If you will ingest this into your heart today, it's going to help you so much. I really believe God could change your life. Okay, so, so believing in Jesus opened the front door. How do I open the rooms? You know, listen, same principle. Because believing is not the way that we open all the doors. Obedience is the way we open the doors. You want to welcome God into an area of your life that's dark. The key to open the door to Jesus is to be obedient to him because God will not walk in a room that stands 
in disobedience to him. <laughs> see, because see, when we believed in God, we were simply obedient to receive salvation the only way that God said we could, by believing, not by works. So it, the principle is the same. It was when we are obedient to believe that we receive Jesus. And if we want to let God into all the rooms of our life, it's by being obedient to him that we're going to open those doors. Let me tell you, God is knocking on every door. He's knocking on the door of your finance. See, that's why we did this series. Because we, we wanted God to be involved in every area of your life. And it's amazing how many Christians will be obedient in all the areas that are easy. But plug their ears when the preacher starts talking about all the areas that they need to open their door to that are uncomfortable. And we are not going to be an uncomfortable church. The kingdom in this church is so advancing so forcefully right now. We cannot, we, 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 we have to have a, an obedient church. We just do. God's doing so much right now. And you know what? The reason you're in the room today is because he's asking you to be a part of it. He's knocking on the door of your heart. And obedience opens the door. I was talking to a friend of mine one time, and he had this revelation on tithing. He was a young kid, about 20, and we were golfing. He's like, Kobe, man, I just had this crazy revelation on tithing. I started tithing a month ago. Started, started giving my first 10% to God, just like the Bible says. And I was super scared. It was super hard. But you wouldn't believe what God did. Like, he lined this up, and he lined this up. And it, it, was, it was just crazy what God did. I can't believe it. And I'm so full of faith right now. I, I, I bet I'll get a hole in one, you know? And I'm like, dude, that's amazing. Congratulations. High five. Pa, you know? And we keep golfing. And then we continue the conversation. He says, man, and, and you know what? I got some other exciting news for you. Uh, to this weekend, because of how blessed I am, because of what God's been doing, I'm moving in with my girlfriend. And I was like, awesome, dude. Uh, have you ever read what the Bible says about relationships? I was the room got really quiet. I love that so much. But I'm like, I'm like isn't it crazy that you got this amazing revelation about how to be obedient to God and open a door for him to help you in your finance. But when it comes to relationships, you actually haven't taken time to see what God says. And I think if you may take some time to see what God says, wouldn't you want him involved in the most important relationship of your life, your possible future wife? Like, don't you want God alive and active in that area? It's the same principle. Obedience opens the door. You're like, well, Pastor Kobe, I've been disobedient already, so I guess the door's closed. Not, you're just one step away from opening the door. Just say, Jesus, I'm going to be obedient to you. I'm going to do this right. Because see, when we leave the door closed, what we're saying is, God, I got this. I got it. We're good. Hey, finance, I got it. Handle it. Great budgeter. And God's like, cool. I'll just stand at the door and knock. But if you'll open the door, my power will be active. My presence will be active. My help will be available in relationships. God, I got this. Like, I, 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 I'm just lonely. Need a relationship. So there's a couple things that I'm going to do to just make it fit for me. And God's like, hey, listen, obedience opens the door. I, I love to be active in that relationship. You need me. Trust me, you need God in your relationships, people. Okay, been married for 10 years this June. I need Jesus. Can I get a big Amen. I need God. Man, I got four kids and a mortgage payment. I need him in my finance. I can't afford not to be obedient. I can't afford not to be obedient in my relationships. There is so much stuff that came up when my kid hit the hospital. I needed Jesus. 
Me, me and Jenna were on a thin thread. And if it weren't for the Lord active in our life, I'm telling you, I'm about to cry right now telling you how good God was. But it's because we lived in a place of obedience, understanding that God loved us so much that he would allow us to open the door to him. And it wasn't a challenge at all because in the end it was only blessing, only faithfulness, only God showing his power to us. Come on, church. Can I get a big amen? God is so good. I'm challenging you today. I won't even be back next week, okay? So y'all can be mad at your pastor, okay? I, I, I see a church that's radically obedient to God. Hey, guess where judgment is? Nowhere. You can live in disobedience. We'll love you. That, that's not, actually, it's kind of none of my business. That's God's business. I'm just loving you so much right now by telling you the truth about what God's word says. And if you'll just stand in obedience to him, woo! I've seen God move. I've seen God move. I can, get, I can get Joel up here. I just have three quick points. Because, because what's the joy at the end of this? Okay? If God's about to come into my relationships and start flipping over tables, then, then why would I let him do that? Because that seems scary. He's coming in with a whip and a nene. <laughs> Had to cut the tension. Um, Hey, if I'm letting God in my finances, he's about to turn tables over, that's scary. So why would I do that? Let me tell you why. Here's, three, here's what happens when, when you open the door and you let God rearrange your furniture a little bit. I was reading this in my devotional time the other day. Actually, the morning I preached this before, last week in New West, and God just kind of spoke to me. I want to leave you with this. Mark 3, verse 20, part A. Check this out. I might say Mark 2. I might have got it wrong. Yeah, it's actually 320, but... Um, one time Jesus, watch this, he entered a house. This is what happened. Watch this. Crowds began to gather again. Here, here's what's hap- going to happen when you open the door to Jesus in your relationships, in your finance, when you're radically obedient to him, when you, when you live without fear. You say, I believe in Jesus. I'm going to be obedient. Here's what happens. God's presence is going to bring influence to those areas of your life. You want to have influence? Be obedient. Be- because... Because true influence comes from the, the influence of God's presence in an area. And you know, you know how many people have asked me for relationship advice? And I've been able to give them some awesome wisdom because it's just an area where we've let Jesus reign. And, and, and I've seen marriages saved because of that. I, I've, seen, I've seen new life brought into people because we were able to have some influence in that area. We have to be an influential church. we got to be obedient. You know how many people have asked me for advice in their finance? You know how many times I've been able to speak on that? I could tell you stuff that God's done in my life right now that would literally, it's just, it's almost too good to be true that God has provided for me. Maybe that's for another sermon, but I've been able to influence people. I've been able to encourage pastors all over the world who are struggling financially because I allowed God to come and he gave me influence in that area. You need some influence in your life. Look what the second thing is. Oh, I love this one. God's presence also brings pushback. Ha! So there's influence, but there's pushback. Look at Mark 3.20b. It's going to say Mark 2.20, though. Oh, there it is, 3.20. Soon he and his disciples couldn't even find time to eat. So right away, there's pushback. It's like you volunteer for church. You're like, God, use me. And then three weeks later, you go to your pastor. You're like, I feel used. 
Because it's busy, man. There's speakers, there's pipe and drape, there's three locations, there's stretch when you are obedient to God to serve him in his house. And sometimes we just don't have time to eat, but the purpose is so much bigger than that. I haven't ate yet today. It's because I do intermittent fasting. It gives me more energy, which I probably don't need. When his family heard what was happening, they tried to take him away. He's out of his mind. You know, your family might give you a pushback when you're obedient to God. They're crazy. Why are you giving money to that church? Why are you there every Sunday? You need a day off. What are you doing? You can't come on vacation because you got the conference. What's going on? I've heard it all. I've had to manage the tension of that for my whole ministry. God's been faithful, but there's pushback. Watch, but the teachers of religious law who had arrived from Jerusalem said, he's possessed by Satan. That's a tough one, eh? I had, I had, uh, when I was a youth pastor, I had someone writing a blog about me saying that I was a heretic and I had no business being in the pulpit. I'm like 21 years old, just like trying to help 30 kids. There's already a blog about me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Ridiculous. Because when you welcome God in, there's pushback. New levels, new devils. I love how the notorious B.I.G. said it. Mo money, mo problems. Let's go. Ha. Yeah, have you ever complained about something you prayed for? God, please. And then two weeks, ah, man, this is so hard. Yeah, because blessing has weight to it. Because influence has a weight to it. And what you're praying for feels like another level because it is another level. We've got to be big enough people to shoulder the weight of the blessing God's given us. That's why he's turning tables in you. He's building a righteous character that's obedient to him so you can withstand the storms of this level. Come on, church. Come on. Yeah, that's right. Receive it. God wants to do something great in you and through you. New levels, new devils. And the last point I have, I can invite the worship team to come up, is God's presence brings intimacy. It does. This is the prize. Because when Jesus walks in the room, guess what you get? Jesus! You get him! He's there! Everything's going to be okay. There's, there's one scripture, Jesus is in a storm. The disciples are screaming. He's sleeping on a pillow. He's good. Then he just says, storm. Shh. Storm stops. They were fine all along why Jesus was in the boat. He's there. He's with you. You know, I love what, I love what the Bible says right at the end of John 2. It says this. The, the disciples see Jesus, crazy, passionate, flipping over tables. Punching people. I don't think he was punching people. That would be crazy if he did. <laughs> so, ah, you know, and they're like, whoa, what is going on? What is Jesus doing in this place? And then the Bible says that the Holy Spirit allowed them to remember the scripture. And they went, oh, it's that scripture from, from the prophecy. Passion for my house will consume me. <laughs> you know why Jesus wants to ransack your life? Because passion for you consumes him his heart his thoughts he he you know what god he needs nothing yet he wants your heart ha. how beautiful is that that he stands at the door he's knocking he's not mad Our, my god is not mad he he dealt with all of his anger on the cross my god is not upset my god is not disappointed he knew that this would happen. He knew who you'd be. He already provided for you, but passion for you consumes him. We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church Podcast. 
For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.